clean cut but morally corrupt, it's Forwards Backwards podcast, not from the corner of Glenway and Monroe, and not from the Gimme Some Truth studios. This week on the podcast, we discuss Forward Madison versus North Texas, and that's pretty much it, because we've kind of run out of other stuff to talk about. As always, I'm joined by the Calvin DeMai Hobbs, Kyle Carr. Kyle, which center back wore the big bushy beard better, Connor Turbo Tobin or Jalen Fiat Chrysler? You know, it does I, not matter because the announcer couldn't figure out which was which. I was just about to say that 13 Jalen Chrysler looked really good. I, I don't know what to tell you. He was outstanding. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that that blew up the Twitter sphere uh, on the forward Madison uh, Twitter sphere. The fact that the announcer couldn't get uh, those right. So sorry for uh, stepping on your joke there, Kyle. That's um, right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, but uh, if you're scoring at home, Kyle is in fact not Dan Fallon, who is on a break this week. And uh, I just want to note that it is not a Tucker Carlson style break. Uh, so. Uh, we're also joined by uh, forward Madison's assistant coach, Cowboy Neil at the Wheel Hlavati. Uh Before we get into the match recap, Neil, how's the Poshmark page going? It's uh, heavily slowed due to uh, my real job being back, and I'm, I'm super excited and glad that it has slowed down. However, there is a few that pop up every week, and somehow they just sell. So uh, what what, uh, what should people any any good deals on the Poshmark page this week, Neil? I mean, there's always good deals. I'm willing to work with anyone. That's that's the key to my page. There's there's, there's a price listed, but the price can always go lower. You are the used car salesman, especially with this this hair you've got going, because people probably have not seen you uh, uh, because the camera positioning. Uh, we only saw Daryl on the sideline, so they have not seen you with this semi-slick hair and this very very heavy mustache you got going and it's very 80s i will say it's very 80s it's uh it was until after the match a full beard and all of quarantine until now and i felt okay it's home opener week new look yeah and uh just, just to let everybody know as of right now our prediction is that there's no snow for the quote-unquote home opener but that that could change you never know never know uh kyle uh you'll be watching at home as i will uh for the home opener uh, yes i will uh versus greenville and and just uh you know you were involved in the decision to kind of not do any any formal match day ops which i think from a public safety uh perspective was the right right decision yeah it was one of those where andrew and i were discussing it and as anyone knows, I've been very vocal about how there shouldn't be any sports in the country with how COVID has gone about. Thankfully, it seems like the bubbles in the NWSL and MLS and NBA and WNBA have gone well, but that doesn't mean it's something that we should just be doing. It's a gamble that worked out. So when we were thinking about what to do for this upcoming season between the matches being at Hart Park and Wauwatosa, and it would be really tough for me to say to a capo or a drummer or a flag person, hey, I need you to go an hour or something drive, put yourself at risk, do this, carry the equipment yourself while I'm going to sit at home and watch the match. It'd be a little bit hypocritical on my side of it. I think to keep as many flock members safe as possible, not having an organized presence was the way to go. Obviously, if you're healthy and you want to go to the matches, go to the matches, make sure you wear your mask. But 
at the end of the day, it kind of was a no brainer. It was just more of how we wanted to word the message and how we wanted to make sure that we emphasize that we're doing it to keep flock members safe as, and we're trying to do it as we can. So that next year when matches are hopefully back in Madison at Bree Stevens field, everyone's there and one piece and healthy. And, and I should say, I, I may likely not be going down for the matches, not because of uh, any public health concerns, but just because I'm, I'm lazy. Um, so, you know, I, I always take the low road. Remember that. Neil, Kyle, always take the low run. So uh, let's uh, let's get into the into the uh, kind of breakdown of the match. And we had three kind of key points that we wanted to talk about. And the first, Kyle, that we were discussing before the match last last week, we kind of gave our our predictions of what, how we saw the team lining up. Uh, for the most part, we got that right. Right, Woj up top with with uh, um, out wide. You had. Uh, Don and, and Paolo in the middle, you had JC, you had Eric at the six, uh, Connor and, and Chrysler in, in the center backs, uh, you know, and out wide. The, the places where we got things wrong were Giro out on the left back, uh, who gave a man of the match performance. And we'll, we'll touch on that at various points. And then uh, Gustavo Fernandez in the, in the midfield. And part of that uh, was to do with uh, the Michael Vang Trang uh, being derailed before this season started because of uh, some, some sort of paperwork issues. It's always paperwork. It seems like it's always paperwork. It happened last year with Ponto. Now it's happening again this year. So next year I might have to put an early bet on how will FIFA screw it up? Yeah. Well, and, and I was uh, texting with chairman Schmidt uh, and mentioned this to you. And I said, well, you know, you'd think FIFA would have a, a better database system in place to manage this. And then I realized that was probably the dumbest thing that I've ever, ever written. Yeah, unless you got Man City money, it's not going to work out for you. Um, and so uh, tell us a little bit about uh, Giro getting the start, uh, Neil and, and Fernandez, who had been recruited in as more of a defender, from what I understood, playing in the, in the midfield. Yeah, uh, I'll touch on Jiro first. Um, I mean, he's someone uh, that we targeted early on this year as we needed a person to play left back. Obviously, we brought in Eli as well, and we felt we had two very capable left back in our system. I mean, that's something we we really wanted this offseason was to have at least two players at every position to, to compete and be a lot stronger than we were last year. Um, and kind of as we got into preseason and, and through a quarantine and back into training, Giro had, had taken his offseason very serious. Um, he was very fit coming back out of quarantine. He took his individual workouts very well. And then he just uh, kind of ran with it um, ever since we got back to training and claimed the spot as his. And um, credit to him. He had a fantastic performance um, in, in Texas. And we hope that continues throughout the season. Yeah, we, we've been debating whether we should call him the pink Cafu or whether, in fact, Cafu should now be known as the Brazilian Giro. It's, uh, it's unclear, but he had a, a great show. What about Fernandez in the midfield? Yeah, we, we brought in Gustavo initially to be cover at center back. Um, we knew he could play right back as well. Um, and then as training came back after quarantine, we, we started trying him uh, as a six. Um, as a different option to Eric and, and some other things, trying to kind of try in some different formations. Um, and we like his calmness on the ball. Uh, he's got a great engine. Um, he's, he's younger. He gives us some more youth on the field. Um, so those are some qualities we really liked. Um, and obviously as the, the Mike Vang situation um, 
played out and going into this that game we knew we couldn't have him it was something we worked on for um, a little more than a week to have to look at Gustavo in that spot um, and I think for a professional debut uh, he did he did pretty well um, there wasn't wasn't really more we can ask out of him um, he got caught on the ball in a few situations being a little slow but all in all I was very proud of what he brought to our team and uh, again it was, a, it was a great debut. Anybody else in there, Kyle, that you, you noticed or, or things that popped up to you in, in that 11 when you saw it unveiled? When I saw the 11, I was also surprised Giro was going to play left back just because I knew he was capable of playing there. But I figured Pato would play there and Eli would kind of take that right back or vice versa. Um, once I kind of found out about Mike, what was going on with that, I didn't know who was going to take his spot, whether it was going to be Brandon or Louis or and then it ended up being Gustavo and yeah, I agree. He looked really impressive in the first half. And I think for not knowing what he was going to bring, I knew he was kind of more of a defensive type of player. But for that first half, I think he was starting to get into a rhythm, starting to get under control. It was a promising debut, I would say for sure. Um, also, I would say Impato looked good in the first half as well. He was putting in some good tackles. He was, Him and Jiro were definitely the two best performers in that first half initially. And I think as the game went on, and we'll talk about it later, um, it was just it just seemed like as maybe more fitness was getting there, or North Texas was starting to get a little bit more physical and starting to get away with it at times. Um, but overall, when I saw the lineup, I wasn't sure what Gustavo was going to do. But yeah, I was really impressed with how he played and how he turned out. And if that's what if that's his baseline, I'm excited for what's more to come. Yeah, I hey, think, look, uh, Gustavo definitely changes a little bit of of how we play in terms of, of profiles. Obviously Mike Vang is, is very different than Gustavo. So it, it was good to see us have a bit of a different look, but uh, it gives us more options. But when we do have Mike back, it'll, it'll be a different look and um, both players make us very strong and it's good to have that, those kind of options, especially uh, this year with five subs. It's, it's crucial. Um, and, and on that front, um, you know, we can talk a little bit about the, the tactics. That's the, the sort of other, the big emphasis as, as it seems is consistent with, you know, matches against North, North Texas is to concede possession. And, you know, the, the team seemed to drop in and defend in two banks of four, you know, with Fernandez and, and Eric Leonard kind of dropping parallel. Um, and then you had JC and, and Woj, a.k.a. Hank Scorpio out in front of them, you know, putting a, putting a little pressure on, but um, you know, one of the things that Daryl has told us time and time again is he's less concerned about conceding possession than where you concede possession. So in terms of putting together the, the tactics there, is there anything you guys, you know, particularly wanted to cue on in terms of, um, you know, defending and, and so on? Yeah. I mean, like you touched on and, and we, we did team video today and went back through the game and uh, especially the first half, kind of have everyone, as everyone knows, um, the amount of chances we conceded, I think they had one shot. Uh, um, I think we had six chances in the first half. So in terms of time of possession and percentage, they, they did have a lot, but for the majority, they, they never hurt us with it. Um, and the goal comes off of a, a rare play where Pato kind of goes in a little earlier than he usually does when he defends. And um, we're actually in good spots to kind of make them make it difficult for them to score. And uh, unfortunately they get a, a nice deflection, which 
which kind of threw off the game for a bit, but credit to our guys. Um, I think we still re- responded well to it. Obviously we got the goal, but it, it didn't really phase us. It was an unfortunate event that they had possession and you usually think chances will come from it. But in the end, it was one chance. And then I think they had a left footed shot um, at the end of the first half when we kind of had a, a bad turnover. And those were the only two they had. So we were, when, when you, it's, it's funny because when you look at a game during it, sometimes you think it's really bad. And then you watch it on video and you're like, okay, it wasn't that bad. Our shape was really good. And the effort of everyone defensively was fantastic. I would say, especially near the end when Giro had that chance, um, mm-hmm. you could argue that Madison could have easily had two or three goals going into halftime. It's just, you know, this didn't fall. You know, Giro had it. slight, unfortunately blasted over the bar. But in terms of the first half, the, yeah, four Madison had the better chances. It was just, you know, you take away a deflected shot. Once it gets, once that happens, you're kind of, I feel bad because Phil did his best. He, I think, would have gotten the far post if it didn't get deflected. He would have saved it. But once it kind of ricocheted and went near post, it was, it was kind of no man's land. So it was, for how physical it was early on and how they responded to it, it was, it, it was encouraging. And yeah, just if you put away, you know, those two other chances near the end of the first half, I think you go in with a 2-1 or a 3-1 lead. Well, and the other thing, and, and I think we've talked about the, the third kind of the key thing was the tale of two halves, and we'll, we'll get to that as we kind of break down the match minute by minute. Um, but going in right at the top, uh, 12 seconds in, we saw, um, and my notes have it as, JC kicked in the jewels, question mark. Uh, claim for a penalty right off the top there uh, while people were still getting their nachos, Kyle. Well, ESPN Plus stream was significantly behind the local stream, so I think most people have missed it by the time ESPN got its stuff got its stuff together. <laughs> the ESPN uh, Plus stream being a, a point of contention throughout the weekend. Uh, Omaha Karen FC had some had some issues there and complaints on how much it dropped out. But um, yeah, so Neil claimed for a penalty right off the bat. Yeah, I mean, we got the kickoff started and we knew we wanted to go pretty direct and I was writing some notes down and all of a sudden I saw the ball got played in the air, put my head down and then JC's getting kicked or gone. The guy clattered him from behind and it's early. It's a, it's a, it's a very tough decision for a referee. But unfortunately, they have to be called. Um, it's a tough one to call. Uh, they have a tough job, but it's... We were dangerous we're gonna, in 12 seconds. Gonna, yeah. <laughs> we're going to we're gonna spare you from getting yourself in trouble there. Suffice to say, uh, Kyle, I was of the mind that it probably should have been a PK. Uh, I don't know how you felt about it. I wouldn't – I could see it being a PK, but with it being so early, I can see why they wouldn't give it, but they should have given at least a card, I feel. I feel like that should have warranted a yellow card. And that's yeah. not for my own selfish purposes. I think it's just one of those that, that kind of foul should warrant a card, in my opinion. And, and and so, but that was also part of and this to play into your your selfish purposes. Actually, they're altruistic purposes, right, Kyle? Um, because uh, yeah, uh, that's that's a good thing, uh, Kyle. You have organized and Neil as well. You have decided to to put some money as well towards uh, organizations in the in the Madison area that that support. Um, you know, black lives and, and, you know, black, uh, you know, uh, issues and, and concerns and organizations and so on. And, uh, Kyle, just 
if you don't mind, really quickly before we talk about their strategy being seeming to kick JC as much as possible in the midfield, uh, telling people about what, what you're doing and how they might be able to participate. Yeah, so I'm doing what I'm calling the fair play for empowerment. Uh, um, so for every yellow card, red card, Ford Madison goal, and Ford Madison own goal, there'll be some amount of money that's going to both the YWCA and Madison, and then the Black Leaders Organizing for Communities over in Milwaukee. Um, you're free to sign up, and you can choose whether you want to do all home matches, all away matches, all matches. You can kind of personalize how you want to do your pledges. So I, I think it was a good way for us to continue doing the charity and outreach. I think in a normal season, we would have had you know tailgates and proceeds from you know beer sales would have gone to uh, different charities and organizations. So this is kind of just another way to keep that going. And I think having those two organizations, um, YWCA is one of our partners with Feathers on Flamingos. And I think for since games are in Wauwatosa, it made sense to have a organization over in Milwaukee as well. And uh, if people want to find out more, they can uh, check out on Twitter, which is... Build at Kyle Coche. And yeah, there's a link that there's a Google form that you can fill out. Otherwise, you can message me on any other social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or you can send an email to the flock. And because I like to always explain the the, the jokes, uh, Coche, of course, Spanish for car. Uh, Neil, uh, tell us a little bit about the, the offerings you're doing for the first four matches for charity. Yeah, it's a, a similar initiative to Kyle. I'm, I kind of just wanted to do something to to use the platform we have at Ford Madison and, and as a coach and, and someone in this community to, to, to do something beyond kneeling um, and while that is seen and I, and I, and I, and I love kneeling, I think there's a lot that needs to be done beyond it. And I know our club is taking steps to do it. The flock is taking steps to do it. And I just individually within people from Madison, but, on, but not only that people that I know from every community of soccer I've been with uh, to kind of pro- to provide an idea to say, you don't have to do- donate in Madison, but give back in your community to help your local black organizations and your black community. Cause we have a platform with soccer and we're on TV and we're seen. And I wish that there was a yellow card and a goal in the first 12 seconds. Cause that would have <laughs> helped you and I Kyle. And if it was the Richmond game, there were two own goals. So that would have helped you a ton. I had said, if this was the Richmond game, we, I would have been good for the season. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I, it's just, it's just something that uh, I want to provide a little more action um, beyond taking a knee. Um, to, to give back to Madison because that's the community we represent. Great. And, and your donations are going to urban triage here in Madison. Is that right? Yeah. For the first four games, it'll be urban triage. Um, I know April from the flock is, is heavily connected and involved with them. So that was one I wanted to, to lead off with. And then we we have a 16 game schedule. So every four games, um, I'll add an organization to that and you can choose which organization you want to do uh, donate to. It's a little less formal. Don't have a Google form. Um, kind of going off retweets and and, uh, and peer pressure back. because uh, he he reached out to the forwards Bakwa too, which is where you can find us on Twitter, and basically said uh, you know you guys in or what, um, and so that's how we got roped into into his. Uh, but no, we're we're really happy to do it and and really happy that I think the club is is going beyond um, and and the individuals involved with the club are going beyond you know, uh, just the, the easiest steps that can be taken. Um, and, and, you know, for lack of a better term, putting, 
putting their money where their mouths are. Um, and, you know, hopefully we, we, you know, use, um, this movement and it, and it continues and we see changes in the, you know, the front offices and, and of the league and of organizations. So we get more black coaches, more black, uh, you know, folks in, in positions of leadership within, uh, the organizations as well. Um, hoping to hear something from the USL, uh, on that as, uh, we, we were promised that they were going to be, uh, taking some steps. Um, so from that, uh, Let's transition back to the match. I lied at the top. You guys have, have turned me into liars. Um, but in the first 25 minutes, because uh, we were just going to talk about the match. Um, in the first 25 minutes, uh, JC Banks, by my informal hashtags, uh, Kyle, which I think you saw in my, my game notes, was fouled four times, um, which seems like quite a bit, since I think he got the ball maybe six times grant total. Um, and it, it seemed like... Kyle, a concerted effort on their part of disrupting, you know, the guy that really pulls the strings for, for forward. Yeah, it was, as we saw him getting kicked into the jewels early on, I think their plan was to rough him up a little bit, kind of throw him off his rhythm. And it worked. Um, I would say, yeah, for the four times he got fouled, he may have had the ball five times. And I think it just made it a little bit tougher for Gustavo and Eric to kind of get, you know, take that transition play and kind of go on more of that counterattack. Um, it was just really tough and you kind of take out the whole middle of the field, kind of leaves, you know, Wojciech isolated, kind of gets Don Apollo drop deeper. It kind of forces everyone to drop deeper, which obviously could work and benefit as we saw in the first goal, kind of building up and having Jiro take it himself and dribble at them. But it's really tough when, you know, JC has that capability of he can, you know, get a shot outside the box and can put a through ball to either wing or get it to Wojciech. And I think that made it really difficult, um, throughout the whole match is just, he was kind of unable to really get involved in the match just because, you know, either they had someone on it or they're hacking them enough that even if you had the ball, you had to get rid of it within seconds. Yeah. I think as well, sort of from a tactical perspective, when you, when you look at it, um, when you look at the two other midfielders, you know, Eric Leonard, you know, is, is probably going to slide in the six. He's not going to be the creative force. He's going to keep the ball moving and, and keep cycling it, but he's not going to be the guy that's going to be a creator. And then Gustavo Fernandez, as we've mentioned, you know, first match uh, as a professional playing in a little bit out of position if you've scouted him and, you know, not what he played in college. And so, you know, from a ball possession, you know, get the ball out to, you know, you, you cut off the supply and that's what they did. And they did it on the edge of, uh, of tactics. You know, it's, it's, uh, you know, like Man City will, will follow you to break up the, the counterattack, you know, a very similar sort of strategic following, you know, what you hope is the officiating uh, breaks out the yellow cards very early on. You guys have to, you know, break out your checkbooks in response, but you know, you, you didn't, you didn't see that, that early yellow card and it may have affected the match, you know, a little bit, but when you, you know, see that repeated fouling, that's the, that's the hope. Um, so, but in the, in the 10th minute, you know, moving forward, some, some stuff transpired, but in the 10th minute, we saw the first surging run from Jiro and he laid one off on the wing from, to, for Paulo and Jiro was, I think the danger man all match. Jiro definitely was man of match by far um just his play he was one of the few like i said able to go out wide dribble at the defense and set up other players you know that's i mean that's what i've always expected out of Jiro, and the fact that he was able to defensively 
get us some good tackles and be in good positions as well. Um, you could just tell that once JC was kind of shut down, the offense was primarily running through Jiro, which is always, you can't complain about that. You know, it's one of those things where the more players you can get involved and the more options you have, the better. Well, and, and Neil, talk a little bit about, was that a, a, you know, conscious decision on your part or did Jiro just, you know, because last year we saw, you know, and one of our concerns going into this year was Carter Manley not being out there on the wing because he was a really effective attacker, especially with Don being able to to cut in and Carter to use the space out yeah. wide. You know, we, we were confident with, with Pato coming back that that would be maintained on, on his side of the field. Um, you know, Jiro and, and Paulo Jr. Were, were kind of paired up in early on in the match. Mm-hmm. Was that a conscious decision that you said, hey, Jiro, you know, look to, look to exploit this space? Or how did that, you know, evolve during the course of the match? Yeah, I mean, tactically, I think uh, the players figured it out pretty quick. Um, if you could see in the match, their right back tended to get a lot higher uh, than their left back. Um, their left back tended to have a better engine and actually got home a lot, which prevented Pato from bombing forward all this time. And I think Jiro just saw a ton of opportunities where the right back was sleeping. And when we were in uh, good possession of the ball, we were able to utilize him in that position. Um, and a little different from last year, I think uh, Jiro as a winger, as opposed to Jiro as an outside back, he has the opportunity to, to see all of the field, doesn't have to worry about anyone behind him at any point. So he could just put his head down and run. Um, and Jiro is fit. Jiro is quick. Uh, amazing 1v1 defender so yeah and one really yeah i mean I, uh, I think last year we saw you know i was thinking even of the the bavarian ma- match in the uh you know open cup he can score goals he can get forward um yeah. we we knew that about him i didn't know he was such a, a brilliant uh at, you know one-on-one attacker yeah jiro's jiro's got great feet uh maybe the quickest feet on the team and uh, when he's on and they're moving and he's dribbling around opponents, there's it's it's very tough um, for opponents to defend him. So we just we hope that his development and his growth in that position continues throughout the year. Um, we think he's done excellent defensively, kind of learning the position and going forward. It's more of uh, just a personal feeling on him of 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 when to go and when to take guys on because we we don't try to hold guys back when they're feeling it to go forward. That's their natural instincts to go forward and attack and go one v one and. We want that to come out of our, all of our players, and Jiro did that to the nth degree against Texas. Yeah, and, and you know, just to highlight, there was another great individual effort from Jiro in the 21st and, and 26th minute as well, where he was putting people under pressure and and so on. And we'll talk about the goal in a minute. Unfortunately, before we talk about the our goal, we have to address their goal. Um, and you know, uh, a couple of errors. First of all, you know, Pato was all. Uh, all USL best top 11 defender last year, but he, he jumped in and missed it and, and got left exposed. I mean, it, it's a mistake guys make mistakes, misjudgment of the ball, especially early in the season like this, that, that happens, you know, it looked like he just misjudged the flight and mistimed his tackle uh, that leaves for Redzic to, to kind of get in. Um, you know, it was interesting. We were talking about this goal before, um, and, and one of the things that reminded me of a little bit was the goal from Pepe uh, last year in the playoffs where the play was moving this way and the shot ends up going back the way the, the play originated um, and catching the goalkeeper off. In this case, there was a little more of a, a deflection, a little a little shield, but it, it seemed a little bit like Marchetta got caught maybe leaning 
leaning far post um, a little bit on that. But overall, uh, you know, a, a tough break on the road to, to take, Kyle. Yeah, it's one of those where when you're playing against the defending champs on the road, first game of the season, first game in nine months, um, it's definitely going to be tougher to get back into a rhythm. And especially when that kind of goal happens, you're it's one of those where you know it's a fluke, so you can kind of just get back into it. And I know, Neil, you kind of mentioned like it didn't phase you. It's, and it, it was very clear that it didn't really rattle them. Um, but it was still one of those where it's not how you want to start, especially er- that early into the match. Neil, was there anything that, that you guys said after that goal or any, you know, changes you wanted to see? Or was it – I mean, I thought the run of play early on in the match was, was fairly equal. Um, I thought you guys were, were handling them pretty well. Yeah, when, when we were able to establish possession and get a – basically when we could make a possession of more than two passes, we were fine. Uh, we had some early moments where I think we were, uh, we thought we had a bit less space than we did, but when we got on it, we were comfortable. And, um, it, it's an interesting one because you expect a North Texas team to be almost identical to last year. And in fact, they were, they were quite different and they had some different profiles throughout the middle. Uh, 27, the guy who liked to kick JC a lot was a different profile that they're, they're, they're a bit younger, but it's still the same North Texas that tries to play the same way. They're confident young kids who are going to get after the game and they're very good technically. Um, that's kind of what you saw in the play that they scored. Um, it's, it's a bit unlucky, but we rebounded well. We didn't try to change too much because we knew we were doing okay before it and the guys responded appropriately. And the response finally came uh, 18 minutes later with uh, – Woj, uh, Woshek, Woshik, uh, Woshek, Woshik, pardon, uh, putting one in between the, the, the goalkeeper's wickets, as the announcer uh, uh, said. And I have to say, at one point I realized, and I hope he, we may, not because of anything he's done, but his cadence reminded me of Ben Shapiro. And suddenly I was like, ooh, I don't know if I can continue listening to this. But uh, the wickets thing he, he mentioned several times. But Giro, again, another surging run, Kyle. Knocks it out to Paulo Jr. Perfect cross to, to Paulo Jr. And then Woj, Woj is it. Yep. I was, yeah, Giro kind of was the architect of it all. Once he got that run, he was able to get past a few people. Puts in a great ball out wide over to Paulo. And Paulo has enough time and space where – he just has to put it in the box, and that's kind of why we brought Wojciech in. He, he's there for that reason. He's kind of he's just a natural goal scorer. Once if you give him some service in the box, he's going to score it, and you saw it right there. So it's very encouraging to see that you know he has that eye for a goal. He knew exactly where he needed to be, and Paulo putting in the ball perfectly. That I think that was just a testament of what I think is the plan moving forward. And I could be wrong about that, Neil, but it's kind of. That's kind of when you thought of bringing in Wojciech, that's kind of why you get him. Is That was the issue last year. There wasn't really anyone in that number nine role that you can kind of get the ball to and they can put the ball in the back of the net. And I think that goal is kind of what the game plan has been and why you made that move in the offseason. Right. We're always, we're always confident that we can build up and we have Don and Paulo, very dangerous wide and can get good service. And, and, and now we have a guy that if you get him good service, he's going to, if you get him a chance like that, he's going to score almost every time. And to have it come from zero all the way to Paulo and a great buildup, it, it was, it was great to see. And if we consistently do that, Woj is going to score goals. There's no doubt about it. 
and got his first one. And I, I think credit to him as well for really a well-worked run um, because, you know, looking at Paulo having that space and the confidence to know Paulo is going to put that ball where it needs to be. He knew, Hey, if I get in front of my defender, Paulo will get it to me and I'll, I'll, uh, you know, be able to, to, you know, knock it in. Um, going into the, the end of the, the half, um, you know, Damas from, Damas from wide got a shot on goal. And that was actually, other than the goal, their, their first shot on goal um, in the half. And at that point, Madison had four. So, you know, from a tactical perspective going in, it, it seems like, you know, things are, are working pretty well. You know, you have the moment there just before the half when uh, uh, Woj gets played through and, and knocks Knox went over the the crossbar, you know, would have been a great chance if he had taken it, but it was a, it was a pretty, pretty high, uh, low probability chance, but, you know, again, goal scorers will, will put that one on the, on the net and, you know, that he got it goal word from that kind of angle speaks to his, his quality. Anything else, Kyle, that you saw kind of in the first half that we haven't, we haven't touched on so far or anything else that, you know, looking at it, you were, we're, we're interested in. It was Kind of one of those where the first half, it was kind of how most of these four Madison North Texas matches are. It's going to be a little bit more physical. You're going to, there's not going to be too, too many qualities. And if there are, most of those are going to be capitalizing on a mistake or some really good play. Um, and I think that's something that it was still consistent. It was just more, can they keep it up for the full 90 minutes going to the second half? And was this going to, were there going to be another goal and could it add 2-2 two, two is what I was always thinking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so we go into the into the second half, and um, kind of a right off the top, though things seem to, to shift. Right, there's a kind of fear. Ball bouncers around a little bit in the in the box. Rodriguez gets a forces a save out of Marchetta. You know, it was maybe going wide. The the ball was kind of bouncing around in the box. Marchetta makes the the save, leads to a corner kick, and then uh, you have him. You know, saving off of the header. Some controversy. You know, North Texas thought, oh, it was, it was in the goal. It did not look into the goal to me, Kyle, but you know, um, maybe I'm I'm biased there. I I didn't think it, I didn't think it crossed the line. Maybe a part of it did, but it was I don't think the ball completely crossed the line. I think that's good on Philip for kind of just getting on top of it and kind of using his body to make sure that he can try and keep as much of it out as possible. But no, I tried looking at it, it didn't look like it crossed the line. It was just more right on the line or kind of before it. Yeah, well, and, and you know, you, when you look at it, Marchetta is actually has sort of dropped into the goal, but his hands look like they're in front of the goal line, and you know, so it, you can see why you can make that claim. And 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 I'm going to make this point to you, Kyle, and we're going to make Neil shut up uh, because we don't want to get him in trouble. But it seemed a little bit like classic USL refing there. They said uh, Marchetta had been fouled. Um, and yet the restart was Marchetta throwing the ball out at, from his hands. There was no free kick or anything like that. It was that, and it reminded me of last year at home against South Georgia when, when Nicoletto got that equalizing goal where that also didn't look like it crossed the line, but they called it. So it is USL. <laughs> Neil. It was USL refing at the classic display. Yeah. I, I mean, just that, you know, that they called a foul, but no free kick was, uh, was a classic. You, you see that. Was a a ball. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So then, uh, you know, 53rd minute. And, and one of the things that, uh, you know, we talked about going into this week, Neil, and, and curious about Fernandez is fouled on the edge of the box. 
gets uh, forward a, a pretty good chance. Uh, Paulo steps up, takes the free kick. Uh, I would say it was a double off the wall. Um, you know, not a great chance. But going into this match, did you emphasize set pieces, particularly knowing, you know, that you were going to try to keep it tight and, you know, both defensively and, and offensively? Yeah, we had, we had worked a lot on set pieces, uh, more specifically corners and, and service from wide areas. Um, stuff from the top of the box, like directly at goal, um, a lot of guys will work on individually. Um, and, and we'll label two or three guys that, that we want on the ball, and then it's up to them who's kind of feeling it and who's got a hot hand. And, and JC got over it, and he's always a guy we want near the ball. And Paul is another one of the guys, and Woj. And when Louis on the field, he's got a great left foot. Um, and Paulo was feeling it in that situation, I guess. And um, they're hard ones. So you always, you always wish that they at the very minimum hit the target um, to make them make a save, but it, it, it should go down as a, a chance for sure. And hopefully next game we'll take it. Yeah. Uh, Kyle, uh, 59th minute, uh, Damis, Ronaldo Damis. And let's be honest, the guy is a goal scoring wonderkin. Uh, he had 16 and 18 last year, uh, one in one so far this year, his finish very similar to Woj's first, uh, you know, through the wickets near post run, great, great finish, finishers finish. Uh, you know, unfortunately it looked like Tobin misplayed it. And, and, you know, I think one of the, if you look at the unlucky side of this match, two of your best defenders had just kind of unlucky errors, um, guys that you wouldn't expect Kyle in, in these situations. Yeah, I would say eight out of ten times one of those defenders is able to kind of stop it or clear or play it or, you know, it doesn't fall the way it did. You know, I think Turbo just slightly missed it. I'm sure he was beating himself up for that. And then Jalen tried sliding over to cover it and he just couldn't get it and Philip couldn't get it near post. It was just it was just like a collection of, yeah, bad luck and just a lot of individual errors that contribute to that goal. Again, seven, eight times out of ten. It's not. It's covered and it's handled, but you know when it falls like that, and with Ronaldo Davis, yeah, he is a net just like Wojcik. He is a natural goal scorer. There's a reason why he's on the national team. He's. I'm slightly surprised he's still playing with North Texas. To be honest, I thought he would have gotten called up or sent up somewhere. But yeah, just a couple individual errors that from players that you don't expect individual errors. Yeah, the the captain you very rarely expect him to to make an error in these situations. Yeah, with Jalen, I know he had that knee injury after that goal was scored. I wasn't at first. I was really afraid because I know he's had knee injuries in the past. I was just hoping it wasn't that kind of situation. It looked like he was able to get up and walk. They wrapped his knee, so was it just kind of like a turf burn? Because I know they just installed that new turf in Globe Life Park, so I wasn't sure if that was just like a turf thing or is this more of a you know, maybe because you have five subs, you're able to have that luxury to make that sub. Yeah, it's it's nothing major at all. Jalen Jalen will be back soon. It's it's kind of one of those that we we get a signal from our trainer that it's probably more appropriate that he comes off. It's definitely not serious, but when we have five subs and we're able to make a move, we're going to make it right away. Um, so um, we don't need to worry about Jalen too much. He'll definitely be back soon um, with us, and it's. It's one of those things, like I said, if we can make a sub and we need to get a guy on, we don't want to play with 10 for longer than 30 seconds. So we just made that move quick and we kind of probably wouldn't have made a move to change personnel like that, but we know Eric's capable of going back there and playing. So um, it didn't shift around 
many things in our lineup. So it wasn't a very hard change. Uh, talk to me a little bit about Damas. What's it like to prepare for him? Um, is he, do you think he's, he's a star in the, in the making? I mean, he's, he's a young kid, um, you know, hasn't been moved up. What, what do you, what's your scouting report on him long-term? I mean, the, the guy, the guy's got pace. He's quick. He's good on the dribble. And as proven last year, he can do the last part and put the ball in the goal. Um, I think, I think maybe why he hasn't moved up is, uh, he's kind of one dimensional in his runs. Yeah. He can run really fast or running behind, but they're probably waiting for a little more of, uh, the mental side of the game, the educational, the soccer IQ side of the game to improve within them. And, um, when you play with, when he probably trains with FC Dallas, he's probably even better because um, he has better service. He's got better players around him. But if he continues to score like he does, uh, it's going to be very hard to see him in USL League One next year. I think he'll definitely make a move to a loan on a championship team or for his sake, hopefully, like Dallas does, they have a great pipeline. They call him up to the first team and his development continues because it's uh, a great thing for US soccer for their academies to, to promote their kids. So that actually that... that- Injury to Chrysler sets in motion one of the, the more, uh, you know, kind of fast-moving, important things in the match. That 63rd minute, uh, Cox comes on. He slides into the midfield. Fernandez drops into the six. And Eric Leonard, and you haven't been lying to us. Uh, you kept telling us that Eric Leonard was going to play center back this year. And sure enough, he sl- slides in there. Uh, nice little bit of flexibility he offers you. But the other big thing is finally after, uh, by my count, the fifth foul, but I may have missed some in there uh, on J.C. Banks. Finally, Allison is is given a yellow card. And uh, that was that was a big, big development because it meant money for charity. But uh, also, you know, probably about 20, you know, 40 minutes too late on the, uh, the yellow card there. Give or take, Kyle. Yeah, it was it was definitely a chippy and physical match. And this one. And it was kind of noticed early on that this ref was going to let them be a little bit more physical. And that's fine, but there are definitely a couple of tackles I noticed that in the first half. I think there was one outside of the box, I think on the left side. Um, and I wasn't sure if it was Jiro Apollo that drew it, but it was kind of one of those tackles where you think, again, that's a yellow card to the one at JC, but it took a while. And I think it was just more the ref kind of having to say, okay, maybe we're getting a little carried away or this is getting a little, it was getting more physical. Um, and that could just be something that North Texas being the home team or, you know, those, the players at North Texas, because they're training with FC Dallas, they're just used to a bit more physicality. So then they carry it over to this match and, you know, that's going to be something to watch moving forward. But yeah, I think it was definitely the referee deciding it's going to be a little bit more physical. That's fine if it's going to be that way, but there are definitely some tackles that you can argue could have been carded. Um, but so it is what it is. Uh, 73rd minute, we see a great save from Marchetta. What it, Kyle, uh, overall, how would you grade the, the Marchetta performance? I, I think it was pretty good. I'd say like six and a half or a seven. Um, definitely can see the shot stopping ability. Definitely can see the composure that he has, you know, in his box. He's not, you know, frazzled. He's not rushing and making bad mistakes. Um, I think once he gets more comfortable, both playing and with the teammates, maybe becoming a little bit more vocal as well. But you know, he had some big shoes to fill, filling in for Brian and Ryan, and I think he's on his way to doing that pretty well. But, yeah, I think you can see the qualities that are there, and once I think he gets more comfortable, it can command his box a little bit more. You know, one of the interesting things, and, and Neil, maybe you can, uh, you know, talk about this, if this was 
in terms of distribution, um, a lot of, you know, the balls back, he, he, it seemed like the goal was to have his distribution go long. Was that a strategic choice or was that just a, a little bit of lack of comfort from him not having played a competitive, you know, match with these guys, 11 aside? Yeah, I think it was, I think it was a little bit of both. I think there were definitely situations where he felt we were, they were just pressing us too high on our half. So let's not try to build out. Um, I think that direct point you just made goes into a large part. That was Phil's second game with us ever. Um, and a large part of beyond that is we haven't played a friendly game with anyone since St. Louis. Um, and that was a long time ago. And other teams have had the that was back in, in the famous days of March, 2020, if I yeah. remember. And other teams have had the liberty to schedule or play their MLS teams or play a team very close in their market. Um, we had the opportunity, but we made the choice to say, we're not going to get on a bus. We're not going to go play another team within USL because we care about the safety of our players. We're not going to take a chance on anyone getting this virus, no matter how much we're testing. Um, we said, we're going to stay home. We're going to continue to train and we're going to take our chances. Um, I think it was the right decision. And as we play more games, we'll get better because our guys will get used to playing with each other and, and against real opponents. Um, it's a unfortunate situation when you have to make decisions like this as a coaching staff to say, we can't play a friendly game because we care more about the safety of our players than almost winning. That was the choice we made. And it's as a staff, we all agreed that it was the right one. Well, and uh, I mean, you're, you're Neil, basically a, a soccer idiot savant. So expecting you to make choices outside of soccer is really asking a lot of you. Thank you. I've had to make a lot of choices outside of soccer this year that have, greatly affected my personal happiness. <laughs> uh, just want to want to make a, a quick point that uh, Monus and Bennett uh, coming in the 74th minute, uh, Alex Monus, uh, one of our lone players, we'll probably talk about them more going forward. Uh, and they came in for Paulo Jr. and Don Smart. And I was a little disappointed that you didn't put Monus in for Don Smart on the, on the sub board because that would have meant Don Smart would have been subbed for by a man half of his age. Um, so Don, Don is 32 by my calculations and Alex is 16. A lot of potential there, huh? Uh, loads of potential. And we knew we would get him on at some point and that we would need subs. And, uh, the kid is fast. He's rapid. He's pacey and he's got a great soccer brain. Um, and it was his first game as a pro. Um, and he didn't really skip a beat, um, to be fair. So we're, we're happy with kind of what he brought to the game and, when looking back at it, uh, we think well, we could have brought him on earlier. Yeah, one of Daryl's comments as well, that they could have brought him on earlier. Yeah, I mean, we, we look back on every game after it as a staff and look at our sub patterns and our tactical changes. And that was one thing we addressed and said we could have given some more time to a few people to, to really let them get involved and, and see what they can do. And I think you'll see that probably moving forward of course situationally based on what's going on in the game but we know we this year we have very very capable um substitutes we can make in every game so for those of you watching at home i i you know on the simulcast i prepare copious notes for for the my match notes minute by minute and and i sent them over to kyle this afternoon and kyle responded back nothing about time wasting and uh, Kyle, you know, I, I, I wanted to get your thoughts on that because it obviously that was something that that jumped out to you. And I said, well, that was kind of obvious by the fact that nothing happened from the 89th minute on my notes to the 95th minute, I thought. 
It was high quality tactical time waste at North Texas's part. Um, I don't know how much of it is just the coach screaming at them to do it. I don't know how much of that is the player's own IQ, but it was well done. Um, my favorite example was the corner flag situation near the end. And that was, I don't think I've ever seen that before. So kudos to North Texas for that idea. But it was just one of those where I, as the second half went on and North Texas was kind of more in control of the match, I think it was maybe part of their intention to, you know, slow the game down, just see the game out as much as they can. And, you know, props to them, they executed on that, but, and that could also attribute to the fitness. And I know with uh, Ford Nets not being able to do friendlies, I wouldn't be surprised if North Texas was scrimmaging against FC Dallas or because it's Texas and laws don't apply. They're able to freelance and go wherever they needed to as well. Um, but I think that was kind of one of those things that in the second half when you saw more and more of North Texas kind of getting on the ball and kind of trying to slow, controlling the tempo. Um, but yeah, that 90, those 90, that 90th minute moment where it just seemed like Ford couldn't get the ball. And part of that was deliberate. Part of that was just tactics. And part of that is North Texas just slowing tempo down, use the ball wisely. Yeah. That's always the danger when you go down a goal to a team like North Texas who can possess even when they're under pressure. Um, and it's the advantage. It, it, it can be frustrating to watch your team and it can be frustrating as a player because you know, you have a system that there, there are points where you want to cue in on, you know, and try to win the ball back. But, you know, with a team like North Texas, they can knock it around really smoothly and they don't take unnecessary chances in, in possession. So, um, Neil, that also, that's an ideal segue into our next topic, which uh, diving into Madison with Neil Havati, we, we can't, you can't go to the bars anymore, Neil, but one of the things we were interested in because, uh, you know, we, we talked about this last week was the, the notion of, um, you know, uh, not putting the lineups out and how much you like the John Harks lineup and, and trying to shield things from the opposition. And, you know, time wasting, particularly talking to your ball boys and ball girls about their role in time wasting is a is an old coach trick. But I uh, wanted to talk to you a little bit about, you know, some of the, the coach tricks that that you've seen employed, let's say none that you've ever done yourself. Yeah, I try not to play the mind games and just let the boys do their job, because at the end of the day, we don't we're not on the field. Um, but, yeah, the. An hour before every game, we have to hand in uh, roster sheets um, and the USL mandates that you have to put your formation on a field form and your formation in numerical form. Um, so it's always interesting to see how coaches list their team and how they actually line up. Um, some coaches go by the book and list it properly in proper positions, and that's exactly what you see. And some We'll list a midfielder as a forward, a forward as a midfielder, and outside back will be playing as a winger. Um, we have 10 teams in our league this year. So by the second time around or by, by the time everyone plays four games, you pretty much know what everyone's doing. However, 2020 is an interesting year with COVID. So a lot different players play week to week because of multiple things. Um, so you got to research into a lot different, a lot of, a lot more guys per team. Um, so that's fun for us as a coach to be like, who is this guy? We've never seen him. We have no film on him. Where is he playing? Um, so there's a lot of me looking over my shoulder in warmups, trying to get a gauge of where this kid is playing. Um, so, yeah. And then 
there's always the the lineup sheets on Instagram that teams put out. Some choose to do formations, some choose to do one through 11s, some choose to do hexagons. It is what it is. What, what I will oh. say, however, is, I mean, for that first match, apparently Harks was, was playing out in advance, but if you go on the USL website, you can get heat maps, you can get all that stuff, and that's all publicly information. So probably is less useful uh, later on in the season, but early in the season, this is kind of a, that was a pro move from Harks, wasn't it? Yes, it's fun. And I always kind of have some, some little arguments with our front office and our social media guys. And I show them the best clubs in the world, Manchester United, Real Madrid, Bayern Munich. They never put a formation out. Uh, Only two of the three of those might qualify as, as best clubs in the world, Neil, you know that. But there's but there's many clubs that do it. I'm not even going to respond to you right now, Keith, because we're in the Champions League and I love it. <laughs> we got 14 penalties this year, and that's what clinched it. You know, in four minutes, you get 14 penalties. I will take back all criticism as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Four, 14 penalties this year in in 16 matches would be ideal. Would really oh, help, ooh. especially since I think it was about this time last year that we finally got our first PK of the oh, year. Man. Yeah, it was a while last year. Let's hope that doesn't that's, that spell doesn't live on in the 2020. But what what are what are some of the other tricks that you've seen coaches play or or that you've experienced in your long and winding road through American professional and Polish professional soccer? I mean, coaches will pull tricks on their own players where they won't be in the the proposed lineup all week. And then all of a sudden you see your jersey hung in a locker and you're like, why am I starting? So I've had those played to me, but I've had it also done to me the opposite way, saying you plan all week, you're in the starting squad. And then all of a sudden your coach says, hey, you need a mental break. So that's always fun. I would. I feel like if you were going into like one of the biggest matches of the season, and it's like, yeah, I'm not starting. Then it's like, nope, you're you're going out there. It's like, wait, I was I wasn't ready for this. I was expecting right. to come out and sub. You know, kind of get an idea how the match will go. That's like G Sung Park for Manchester United, just being a role player and starting in Champions League finals and FA Cup finals, and it's like G Sung's name is on this sheet when they're playing big games. Do, do you do you think sometimes that's you know? a technique from a coach to get a player out of his own head? Um, yeah, definitely in, in, in some instances for sure. And there, there's times where, listen, we, we have more competition for places this year than ever. And there's going to be guys who the fans think should start every game that aren't. And it's because there's guys that are, we have a stronger bench and it's, we're going to keep the the spirit and the morale of our team strong by including everyone. And that's a lot easier to do, especially with five subs too. Any other great, you know, like watering one half of the field, um, you know, the ball boy is going to get a hot dog in the second half that you've, you've experienced. You we, when I was playing with Edmonton, we were playing away at the New York Cosmos at uh, uh, Hofstra one year. And they always water their field before they play. And I see the golf cart, they would do it at the back of a golf cart. And I managed to catch it at the end of warmups. I went in late and they were mixing laundry detergent with water. So they can make the plastic blades even more slick. And we go out and start the game and the ball is just fucking zipping. <laughs> and we're just like, first 20 minutes, no one can get used to it. <laughs> they were always used to it. And I'm like, that's pretty smart, guys. But 
What, was it also yeah. like slickness in terms of like cutting and stopping or anything like that? Or uh, it didn't affect that as much, but but a little bit. I mean, because you go out there for twenty five minutes and you're used to one surface, and immediately you're like, rolls out there, Marco Senna's out there, and they're just having a field day. Uh, any, anything with like toilets being backed up or anything like that? Lansing gave us a nice little backed up toilet last year. That was fun for Daryl to walk into the the toilet and see an absolute bomb go off in there. <laughs> so, we were, so we were really happy when we came back for the second one when all the fans came. We checked the toilets right away and we said, okay, boys, we're ready to go. Clean toilets, <laughs> pick up victory. That, that, one, that, one, that one was fun. Oh, that was man. a good time. Uh, Kyle, uh, any last thoughts uh, before we, we call it a, call it an evening here? Um, I guess I'll slightly preview the Greenville match. I feel like watching Greenville these last two weeks, everyone, I think everyone went in with the expectation that Greenville were going to be one of the favorites. They're going to be a tough team. They're defensively sound and adding Brandon Fricky was always going to help. I mean, Fricky being suspended is good, but I, I think this format's in, if we can get Don and Paulo and JC more involved, um, they can really take it to Greenville because it seems like they are trying to be a little bit more open and a little bit more fluid. And you saw with Richmond, they were able to get a higher press and that was kind of bothering Greenville. And if it wasn't for Richmond shooting themselves in the foot multiple times, I think Richmond could have gotten at least a point out of it. So I'm excited to see what happens. And with Fricky being suspended, I think that could be a chance for Woj and JC to kind of play more through the middle and yeah, I'm, I'm hoping for a big game response from both Don and Paulo because, I mean, other than Paulo's assist, it felt like he wasn't able to get be as influential and same with Don. So it'll be inter- interesting to see, and I hope that the fans that are there on Friday um, try to show their support in the best way possible while still following guidelines. And if they're not wearing a mask and I find out, there's going to be hell to pay. That, uh, you know, wear a mask. Uh, if you go, enjoy yourself. Um, that, you know, that should, uh, you know, go without saying we're all, you know, there, there's still a pandemic raging and, and, you know, we can, we'll, we can, you know, kind of debate forever and ever on this podcast, the, the moral uh, morality of, of the return to play. And I think, you know, for the most part, it, it's worrying to me, um, you know, and, and we, you know, know the, the club was in a tough spot and we hope and know um, you know, based on the trust that, that we've put in the club, that that they're going to do everything to ensure the safety of you know players and and fans there, and social distancing and masks. Um, but uh, you know, part of me wishes that that we wouldn't have to have these these conversations. I think that's been my sentiment from the beginning. I'm going to enjoy the you know the match. I'm going to try to turn my brain off for for two hours. Um, I'm worried about Greenville. Uh, they they've looked good. If they can get that, add that attacking, you know, more fluidity to that stern defense and and combine them together, they could be really good. Uh, they're they were really good last year. I think uh, you know they have a they have a good base to build off of and and adding Fricky as you've said. So work work ahead of you, Neil, for this week. Yeah, we've already watched them a couple times and. Kyle, pretty good scouting report of Richmond Greenville. That was that was well done. We got some of the same stuff written down. Uh, <laughs> but Green, Greenville is is beatable, and we're at our home place and our home away from home, you could say. And uh, the guys are excited, and uh, I think it'll be a positive result um, on Friday for us. Fantastic! Uh, looking forward to it. Watching on ESPN Plus and the local television par- partner. 
TVW, um, 605 on your charter spectrum, as I learned from, uh, you know, tweeting that question out. I want to say uh, until next time, forwards, not backwards, upwards, not forwards, and always twirling, twirling, twirling towards freedom. I can never yeah. remember our, our sign off. Write that one down. I, I I just completely blank. Well, I start looking at your goofy face, Neil, and it throws Perfect. me totally off. <laughs>